Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to another episode of Red Side of the Trent. After Reese's masterclass we've been presenting last week, I am here with your host, Lee Clark, this week. Uh, so we've got a full set. Um, we've all had a go. Um, please be kind on Twitter. Um, hashtag be kind and all that bollocks. Um, the Reds, unfortunately, were beaten 1-0 at Wolves, uh, by Wolves at Molyneux. Ruben Neves was ice cool from the spot. Brennan Johnson, not so. Uh, we do have a full house today. Uh, I'm joined by Adam Wicklow, Christian Brown and Rhys Lane. Uh, for Forrest, the Premier League dream has quickly become a nightmare. And as Jermaine Genus quite rightly said on Match of the Day last night, something really negative is staring Forrest full in the face. So I'm going to start with you, Rhys. Um, you're our man with the plan when it comes to trying to go to all 19 away games this season. Uh, I know that you were there as well yesterday, Christian, so I will come to you shortly. But Reese, where do you think it went wrong yesterday? Um, to be honest, the game as a whole, I thought, was between two poor sides. I thought Wolves were very poor as well. Um, they did show more attacking intent in the first half, I'd say, but whenever they got the ball to Adama Torre, he is full of tricks and did skin Harry Toffolo to the bar line, but then he just couldn't cross the ball. And I mean, it was either they either went out or over hit. And I think eight Nori was the same with his crosses. So it was two really poor sides and you could see there was a bit of, I think, nervous tension there yeah, from both sets of fans. Um, I mean, those who've been to Mon and you will know it's tough to really create an atmosphere with how it's the away section is laid out at Molyneux. Um and their fans as well did at times get a little bit frustrated when Forrest was holding the ball at the back and they seemingly wasn't pressing. But it, like you said at the start of the show, Lee, it was just a tale of two penalties, um, two VAR decisions. I don't think there was much shout for the Wolves one, but I have seen it back and, you know, and, and you'll be able to tell better than me, is that a penalty from the, the laws now? I don't. Now you'll be able to tell me that better than me. And obviously there was some shots from the forest end because I was right in that corner for our penalty of a handball. 
Um, but they took their penalty, great penalty from Neves. I mean, Henderson, to be fair, I mean, went that way as he always does, and but the power just beat him. And obviously our penalty, you know, Brennan Johnson usually goes into the bottom left. This time he went bottom right and it was a bit too obvious for me. It was going that way and it was a nice height for Saar, not in the corner. And it was a pretty, you know, solid save from him, but not the best penalty. So, I mean, where it all went, I've, I've, Forrest is just struggling to transition the ball really from defence to midfield and then midfield to attack. And that's the problem. It's similar to what was the problem under Chris Uten. Um, and, you know, we end up lumping it up to Emmanuel Dennis, who's five foot nine. And even when he does the odd time win a header, he either flicks it on aimlessly, really, or there's just nobody with him. And it, there was no real cohesion with the side yesterday. And to be, to be fair, they stepped it up a gear when um, Wolves scored. And like Cooper, that's what like Cooper said. It was better, but it still wasn't enough. And, you know, like the other really good chance we created, which was a really good set piece, Cook heading it back across. And, you know, Ryan Yates' header should have scored. And that's the moment, unfortunately, in Premier League football. And that's why Wolves won yesterday. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the referee there. I know that you were pretty uh, critical of the referee, Christian. Um, obviously, this is the, the point of the show where you, you typically come to m- myself. But I think first, <laughs> what you, obviously it was it was Tom Brammel that was referee yesterday, first year on the Premier League. What was it that made him so? Um, obviously, I wasn't at the game. So, what was it that made him so poor, in your your opinion, Christian? I just felt they didn't really have a lot of control of the game. Like, if you look at, um, I think it takes a special kind of referee to get abuse from both sets of fans in the same 90-minute spell. And mm. Forest fans hammered him, Wolves fans hammered him, at obviously at different points during the game. And um, you've got a red dish, and if you don't know what you're doing from both sets of supporters. So, you know, when these things are happening, it's generally not a good display. Uh, I just felt that there was a lot of fouls that he wasn't, there were fouls that were happening that, or things that he was letting go that, you know, you think, okay, fair enough. And then he was then giving fouls for similar instances or lesser offences. There wasn't a lot of great deal of consistency. And um, like you've placed before in the pods, if you got a consistent ref, it doesn't matter if you're good or bad, just be consistent. He didn't really feel like he was. Um, so as for the decision, I mean, if the right decision has been made, then fine, fair enough. But obviously I've refused to watch it back because seeing it once is bad enough. But um, for their pen, for example, what was weird for me was not one Wolves player appealed for it. No one in the fan, no one in the stands appealed for it. Everyone just looked at the corner and it took about four minutes to come to that decision. And obviously that was said to this sound like sour grapes because, you know, obviously if it's the right decision in the end, then fine, fair enough. But I don't see how it could be a clear and obvious error if it's taken them four minutes to determine that it should have been given a handball. And similarly with our penalty, to be fair as well, I mean, we, we could see it from one replay very quickly that, you know, Yates has been bundled over as he's going out for a header. So you think, okay, fair enough. That's probably got a claim for the penalty there. But again, that took them like VAR three minutes sort of like come to mind. In the end, you end up with eight minutes of stoppage time. And um, it's just a bit like, you know, I think what people don't see watching from home or watching a match a day is that, and it's something that we are becoming accustomed to, is that the fan misses out in that instance, I think. You're just set, you get no real communication. You're stood there sort of watching a screen, waiting for it to update. You see the players on the pitch sort of like going through the motions and not really sure what to do. And um yeah, I don't know. I just didn't think he was a particularly good ref yesterday. I mean, he's not the reason we lost the game because I, again, maintain that if you're blaming the referee for a defeat, then you haven't done enough in 90 minutes to win the match. But 
he wasn't exactly an asset. I think he, if, if anything, like you look at it from the numbers and you look at it from the eyes and you think it was probably a poor game to watch. Well, we got a poor referee to match a poor game to watch. So it was, um, yeah, it was a pretty dismal evening, afternoon, really. Yeah, I think I think from my point of view, having seen the highlights, I think it was a case of the good, the bad and the ugly of VAR. I think VAR does serve a purpose in modern day football. But I think, like you say, I think at my level, if it, it, bizarrely it's happened the day after on Friday night in one of my games, the ball struck someone's arm, but nobody on the pitch, nobody in the stands has appealed for it. I could have quite easily given the penalty and I would have been correcting law, but no one asked for it. So I didn't give it. It, was, it might sound a little bit stupid and you think, well, you, that's not you doing your job, but this we don't have surprises. Football and sports not about surprises, I don't think. I think, like you say, even on the highlights, you can clearly see nobody wants that penalty. Um, and I think this is where it would be good if it was a bit like cricket where someone on the field has to choose to review a decision rather than just everything being checked into you know, every every single little detail. I think that would be better because... I don't think a sing- I don't think the Wolves captain would have appealed that. If there was an appeal system, he wouldn't have gone, yeah, let's have a look at that. Because, like you say, Christian, in the letter of the law, it probably is a foul. It probably is a ball. He makes himself bigger and it strikes his arm. Would we want it at the other end? Yeah, we'd be jumping up and down for it. But it is a little bit, like you said on the day, Reece, perhaps a little bit harsh. Um, Adam, moving on to you. Uh, Reese, you mentioned Dean Henderson. Obviously, since the Villa game, to be honest, a lot has been made of Dean Henderson, particularly his distribution. Um, a lot of people I've seen are calling for Wayne Hennessy to get a go. I mean, has, fo- has football become that scrutinised that we're actually judging goalkeepers on distribution? And, and should, you know, how would you rate Henderson and how do you think he's performing? I think he's... As a goalkeeper, first and foremost, he's he's doing fine. It is his distribution isn't great, but I don't I can't see Wayne Hennessy's being much better. In all honesty, and, and I can't really offer a great opinion on him because I've not watched him week in week out. But I don't think he's going to be any better than 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 Henderson anyway. So I don't think it's that aspect. I think it's just generally like players wanting the ball a bit better because he's he's perfectly fine at throwing the ball out and he's quite happy to do that. I think rather than actually kick it to be honest but his kicking is is quite quite poor but my my issue is it was we're not testing other goalkeepers have we really had like a meaningful shot from outside the box ourselves or just mm. just anything I can't remember is really like taking aim and, and letting one go at an opposition goalkeeper I mean Jose Sar supposedly had a fucking broken wrist yesterday and he's been playing with a fracture yet the only time we actually tested him was from a penalty and it was tame at best so that's my issue it's not our goalkeeper that's that should be the one that's getting scrutinized it's it's the rest of the team for me going forward we're just we are a damp squid if, if you want to call it that or whatever because it's it's pathetic at the moment and that might sound harsh it might sound negative but it's the truth and if people don't want to handle the truth then then football's not for them unfortunately yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, I think that is a fair assessment. I don't think that's harsh at all. I think um, our play hasn't been good enough. I think, uh, I mean, someone's bit at me on Twitter, not bit, I mean, I've not dangled a, a carrot or anything like that for them to bite. But I think I mentioned that, I think it's very, it's kind of lazy that it, this isn't Cooper's style of play. Well, when we played Cooper's style of play, we were getting battered. So he's had to try something. And someone said, oh, well, we drew with Everton and, and beat West Ham. But you know, when you look at those games, we didn't really, we weren't really peppering either team's goals in either of those games, were we? So I think you're right there, Adam. I think the style of play has been 
uh, you know, certainly an area of concern. Um, Reese, I guess to try and focus on some positives, you mentioned uh, Lingard was pretty steady when he came on yesterday. Do you think we've got to the point where someone with his experience and, you know, obviously he's played for big clubs and he's played on the international stage. Do you think it's, it would be better if we kind of squeezed him into the side to help some of these younger players who, who are clearly struggling with a bit of a confidence crisis at the moment? <laughs> That's a controversial take, isn't it? Saying Lingard did well when he came on yesterday. Um, I just thought, I think there was two or three times when he literally made a run and it just, there was twice, I think, where he got in behind him. And then there was another time when Mangala literally, he was screaming for the ball on the left wing and Mangala, I think, turned it back to the defence when he was in acres of space on the left. So, and that's what it is at the minute. When, when you are struggling, you, you kind of do that safe option rather than taking the initiative and, you know, playing, you know, forward. You know, we start going backwards. <laughs> the problem with Lingard is in... He's, I can't, you know, O'Hara and Agbonlahor was on Talksport on the way home yesterday. And, you know, these two definitely aren't the, you know, the gods of football talk. But the what they did say, which was which I did agree with, was I think it would have been O'Hara. You know, Lingard has been used to playing with teams like Man United, West Ham, and England, who have a lot of the ball. So, and he's playing with good quality players. When he's probably not the ideal player who is going to dig in like probably Zinkenagel did last season and track back and get stuck in because, you know, he, as you saw yesterday, I think he gave away a petty foul at the end. So it's, is he a player you're going to use when the chips are down? Probably not because you'll, you know, he's similar to Gibbs White and I think Gibbs White would probably give you more energy all over the pitch. But for a player, you know, a team who are, struggling and we've got Jesse Lingard sat on the bench on a hundred grand a week or whatever he's on. I just don't know the answer, mate. And this is obviously an issue, isn't it? Because, you know, Steve is still trying to find out his best team and trying to find different ways. And I think defensively, the last two games as a shape, we have looked better. Um, I think Cook and McKenna have been decent the last two games, pretty solid. The wing-backs, for me, are dubious. You know, I mean, I don't like picking on players, but Nico Williams, who looked really good at the start of the season, it just looks a shadow of that player at the minute. I mean, we're giving the ball and he just tries and crosses it from wherever he is on the pitch. And it's like at the start of the season, he was literally driving at teams and weaving in and out and looked really good. And, you know, I thought, oh, we'll find a really good replacement for Spence. But in the last half a dozen games he's just looked like he hasn't been able to lay Spencer's boots and I know obviously people have got on at Lottie but Toffolo for me is probably steady at best you know Adama Toore if he could have, I know he's a beast he's got pace but there's the amount of time the amount of space he had at times on the right wing yesterday was ridiculous really um so I just don't know and that that's the problem it's the problem for Cooper because I don't think anybody at Forest knows, even the fans know what his best team is and what is the right thing to do. We're just every week on Twitter, it's just options thrown into Twitter, just hoping something will stick. And for me, that's what the concern is at the minute. I just don't see any fluidity going forward personally. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, one thing I've noticed on Twitter and Facebook and, and such, I mean, listening to the Facebook groups, I mean, you know, 
as well, not they? But no. um, I think players like Biancone and Barde, it seem to have become world be- even Wayne Hennessy, become a world beater <laughs> without actually playing. Um, so, yeah, it, like you say, I think you're right. I, I don't think fans that know the best team so so bloody loud as Cooper know when he, he's watching them train every day. Uh, you mentioned Nico Williams there. Uh, Christian, I'm going to come to you because obviously in the summer when we signed uh, Nico Williams, you were you, out of the four of us, I think you were the one who was kind of, you didn't rate him, you didn't think he'd be um, useful in our system that Cooper likes to play. What? How do you see the situation with Williams unfolding? Do you think he's due a prolonged period out of the team? Do you think Serge Aurier is the sort of player that is capable of holding down that place now? Um, I think Reese has probably been a bit polite there, saying he's a shadow of himself. Bear in mind, he looked like he didn't know what a fucking football was yesterday. Um, I, If it was honest to me, I'd cut losses now. I genuinely think he's that bad. Um, if it was up to me, Aurier would start every game until January, and then I would come down Daniel Levy's door and beg for Jed Spence on loan for the rest of the season. I don't really care what happens to Williams at this moment in time. Um, he was awful. Absolutely awful. Um, Toffolo wasn't much better on the other side again I agree with Reece steady at best Adama had a field day yesterday granted very good winger on his day but you know if he could cross the ball we'd have been out of the game in a half an hour easy like um, in fact it says a lot the only real chance I mean it was a game of four instances yesterday there was two penalties and two chances that was it um, other than that like, I, the defensive shape was actually looking pretty strong I mean in terms of positives, I mean, you look at the last two games, Henderson's had nothing to do. Like, really, he hasn't had any saves to make an open play. He's had to, it was very unfortunate with the Ashley Young goal. And to be fair, that was the only long-range goal we've considered this season where you held your hands up and think, you know, what fair play. You know, you've got Johnson trying to get a foot in. Ford has run out to him. He's just a good strike and a good goal. And that happens, fine. And yes, there was a penalty. Other than that, he's had nothing to do. Like, Cook and McKenna are doing their jobs. Um, the three in front of them, you know, all this talk about, um, you know, I see the same certain bods who pop up and want to so always, it's, it's, it's always on Forest doing very poorly. They pop up with their little jibes, etc., etc. One of them took a little pop at um, Kuyata yesterday. Kuyata was pretty solid for the most part. Like, you know, he held his shape. He got he covered the grounds, much like Villa. Freuder and Yates were the same. Yates actually played very well. Again, like, you know, that's the second game in a row he's played very well. Maybe he's better to suit us for a 4 3 3. Who knows? But, um, you know, I've got no. At this, I know I said a few weeks ago that I don't see him as a Premier League starter. He proved me wrong, and fair play to him for that. But so the defence isn't the issue, but they are let down so badly by the fullbacks, and it's the same going forward. Like Reese is talking about the lack of fluidity moving forwards. If you're going to play in that way, which as you alluded to earlier, Lee, where we're basically going to have to bat down the hatches a bit and try and grind out, which I completely get in this situation. It's not going to be pretty because we're staring relegation face at the minute, and um, you know. Fine, those midfield three aren't going to be creative midfielders, they're going to be there to hold the shape and to be able to sort of like you know protect the back four, which they've been doing. As that's the proofs in that the last two games, because we barely make great um, let teams create any chances whatsoever. However, that puts extra impetus on the fullbacks to then be able to feed the wingers up the line. Neither of them were capable of doing that yesterday, and Toffler was barely doing it on Monday either. The only one who did look like doing it ably was Aurier. For the, for the hour we had on Monday for Johnson. And to be fair to Villa, they, they marked Johnson out of the game pretty well. They cut off the supply lane to him very well. But that, at least that intent was there to get him in the game. There was absolutely fucking nothing from Williams at all yesterday from a forward perspective. His delivery was shite. His positioning was shite. Like, you talk about, like, you know, lack of bottle and fight. What the fuck's he there for? 
Like, he, he does, doesn't want to put his foot in for a tackle. If he does, it's late and rash because he's lost his head. Like, it's, like, last week, I was quite concerned because obviously we lost Sirianos and Scott and you think, okay, that's not good. But he put together a team that could get Forest promoted and, you know, that's you know not a good sign at all of what's potentially to come. If they've signed off on seventeen and a half million pounds for Echo Williams, they fucking deserve more than being sacked. I tell you that now, because that's atrocious. Maybe it's like football where you know, we look at um sorry like managers sorry you're only as good as your last job. Well maybe recruitment specialists and stats gurus whatever are only as good as their last window because we're paying the, the ramifications for that now. Seventeen and a half million pounds for four years. There is no way we make that back. Absolutely no way. So, yeah, if you're up to me, Aurier starts every single game while Williams is, you know. On, on the other side of the coin, before I sound like I'm just, like, hammering him for the sake of hammering him, I actually felt that up until the half-hour mark, Williams looked okay. Like, he actually looked like he's come back into the team. He's trying to make a, like, a point to prove sort of thing. You know, he's been dropped on Monday, deservedly so. You know, he wants to sort of make amends for that. He made one mistake. I think Pedence just got past him once or something like that. You know, he could have been prevented. He didn't read it properly. And then his entire game just crumbled, completely just evaporated. It was just mistake, 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 mistake. And to be fair, that's partial on Cooper not clocking that and taking him off of Biancone or someone else because you could see he's, he's just disintegrated in front of us completely. And I get, you know, it's not the most positive move to take a defender off if you're chasing the game or whatever else that. But it was just shocking. Like, you expect so much better than that. It was shocking. And, you know, Toffle wasn't much better on the other side. We've got a Brazilian international in Champions League, you know, league winning, not Champions League winning, but La Liga winning left back, who's only like 24 and Renalodi, completely written off because James Madison had him in like spins and circles. Yeah, Harry Toffolo's apparently become the second coming of Stuart Pearce at the time he's been playing, comes into the team, does fuck all. Like, we, we need to find something. That's the key. If you get those two fullbacks working, and the best two fullbacks we have, in my opinion, are Lodi and Aurier. Get them playing in a team and get them settled in, and we'll be, you'll start to see results from them. Because you know, what we have at the minute isn't working. They aren't good enough. They, I'm sorry, they aren't good. It's all one and good. You want to experiment that when we're a more settled side, fine. But now we can't. We need the best players now, and neither of those two should be anywhere fucking near the first team. Yeah, I, I, I've got to be honest, Christian. I think you made some good points there. I, I, I know that we don't take any pleasure in hammering players and that sort of stuff, but I think you do make some good points there. I think one thing that you said that I kind of agree with there. I think far too many people have got the knickers in a twist over Sirianos and Scott going. I think, yeah, I get that Scott was a Steve Cooper man and that is slightly concerning that we've just got rid of a, a Steve Cooper man. But you've got to, someone was always going to carry the can for this start. I think one win in 10 games after spending 140 odd million, whatever it was. Um, is that not normal to expect that? I mean, the other option was to sack the manager and no one wanted that. So I think... These that you know, it's kind of like a, a groovy gang of people, isn't there, for want of a better expression? Um, who just love to, like you say, with Koyate. I mean, Koyate doesn't fit the hipster stats nerds, does he? I mean, he's 32, um, he's a, a tough tackling, experienced midfielder, he's not young, he's not under 26, and he just doesn't, he doesn't suit the agenda with these people these days. So it's no surprise to me that he's getting a lot of flack. I think. Again, with the left-back you've mentioned there, people are saying that Toffolo is genuinely a better footballer than Renan Lodi. I mean, that is just absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? I mean, it, it, I, I don't know about you guys, but I never expected Harry Toffolo to come into the club and be first choice. I always thought he was just a very decent backup. Um, and I think he also fits the criteria of an exceptional player if we, if we do get relegated. So, yeah, I think... Um, 
just to kind of summarise the Wolves game finally, Adam, uh, Brennan Johnson, I mean, if you could pick a player to to not miss a penalty, it was going to be Brennan Johnson. I mean, he's struggling big style at the moment. Um, do you think it's time that Steve Cooper kind of whips him out of the spotlight a bit and places him on the bench for a game? I thought this should have happened a few weeks ago, if I'm honest. It's not that I don't think Johnson's a bad player. He's not become a bad player overnight. We've got, we have got to remember, we have mentioned this on the pod before, he was playing League One football two seasons ago. And he's now in the Premier League and he's obviously finding out that this is a an extremely tough level to play at. The problem is, is he does not believe it in himself. And that is the, the first and foremost thing that is going wrong with him. It's not his ability. It is just him and a battle with himself, it almost looks like. He got the ball yesterday where you think, go on then, like, like, like put it past eight Nori and have a foot race with him. Because we know a lot of the time he should be able to beat someone. But he ran the ball out of play. And you're like, just... It, he's not even getting the basics right, unfortunately. And that's just how he's going at the moment in terms of his self-belief and his confidence. And, and then obviously with the rest of the team not performing as well as we know we, as they should. For me, he shouldn't have been on the pitch yesterday for the penalty. I would have took him off because I thought he, he wasn't that good. We were chasing the game. We had a period of time where we didn't have a, a full, a proper number nine on the pitch and we left it way too late, bringing a one on and, and Surridge. And I thought Dennis should have stayed on, although not didn't have his, have his best game sort of thing. He, at least he, he's someone that's putting himself about and is, is quite typically a confident sort of player. So for me, Johnson shouldn't have been on the pitch to take the penalty. And when I looked at it on, on the dodgy stick, he, he looked like a shitting dog, if I'm honest. He did not look confident with it. And, and, it, and it told because the penalty was not not great at all. The one when he took against Bournemouth and he absolutely whipped it across um, I think Travers is in goal for, for Bournemouth or maybe someone else, I can't remember, but he got nowhere near it. Like if if I think I always think if in doubt, just go and hit it as hard as you can in, in, in your favoured spot. I, that 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 penalty to me just looked like I'm, I'm not confident here of, of doing that and I'm just going to go play it safe and, and saw read it and, and got his rewards for it. So I'd take him out of the spotlight for sure and take him out of the firing line because that will protect him a little bit. And then you can bring him on as, a, as an impact sub and maybe he'll, he'll do something that because he'll have something to prove. And it, it's, a, it's a threat there, but it is, it's a difficult one. But Steve Cooper's not helping himself with substitutes, in my opinion, unfortunately. I don't want to, to, to slate him, but he, he, he's the person that's making the decisions at the end of the day. Yeah, I think uh, that is an interesting point. I think me personally, I probably would, um, especially with, with it being a game like Brighton away, I don't think we've got a lot to lose by sticking him on the bench and using him as an impact sub. Just to bring you to in quickly there, Reese and Christian, do you think there's any um, justification at all for Johnson still being in the team? Um, do, do you think the fact that his, um, his match-winning qualities were obviously evident last season, do you think that's enough justification for him to keep playing? Um, or do you actually think that it's just not doing the lad any favours whatsoever. I'll start with you, Reese. Um, not, not really this season. No, if I'm going to be honest. Obviously, like, obviously, if we're going on last season, of course. But this season is at times just looked isolated, really. Um, and the fullbacks in this league are a better, better quality, quicker, and a lot of them really, well, pretty much all of them, I think, and pretty much marshaled him out of every game. Um, you know, like at the end yesterday, it went from a lack of trying, but it just 
you know, he overran the ball. And, you know, at one point, I think yesterday, he was running down the wing and he ended up running the ball out of play on the touchline. And so would it be a good idea to take him out of the firing line for a little bit? Possibly. You know, I, I've I said on Twitter, I would like to see... Dennis and Awanyi to see if they can get some link up together up top because like I said in my last comment it's just trying all different things to try and get some you know cohesion together going forward because like like I said as well defensively the spine of the side has looked okay the last two games you know like Christian said and he's hit the nail on the head we've, we've limited Villa and Wolves to pretty much nothing um, so now it's about that transition getting us going forward. So, yeah, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Do I see Cooper dropping him? No, I don't. I don't. I think he'll be starting on um, Tuesday. I don't know if Christian will agree with that. I'll let him come in. Again, I sort of agree most. I mean, I don't think it was sort of like a trying from Johnson. I think he was was toiling a lot. He was trying very hard. It just wasn't coming. Nothing he was doing was coming off for him. And players do get games like that. It does happen. Um, I do think there's maybe been a lot of over-expectation of Johnson because he did so well last year. I've got 18 goals last season, of course. So, obviously, my obviously perhaps flawed logic is that for an attacking player, if you score X goals in the championship, you normally halve it when you go to the Premier League. So, if you think of it that way, he's seven off, getting nine sets, seven in 28 games to go. If he does that, he's probably a fairly decent return for him, really. So, But, I don't know, I think that he's... Lacked maybe a little bit of explosiveness without Spence behind them. Definitely on link up play on the right hand side because or Williams is like again, I don't want to sound like I'm crucifying him, but um we were told that, you know, oh, you know, we'll replace the Spence link up with Johnson because Williams and Johnson do it for Wales. Well Williams plays left back for Wales for a start, so that completely nullifies that argument. And secondly, there just hasn't been anything there. Like Johnson's not been able to in the game, he's not been picking up the balls in areas where he can actually turn and get at the fullback. And um no, he has had some like very like rough lessons. Like you know, I think back to the West Ham game when Ben Johnson just marshaled every single move he made. Equally, he's not really had a fair crack to get out fullbacks. Against Spurs, he was very dangerous. You know, um, I can't remember even against Villa. You know, he was like when he got in, eventually got in. Like, he was causing problems. I think Johnson can be a problem player when he gets into position, just getting him to ball there to begin with, and we haven't been doing that. As for dropping him. The way he played, I think he could probably do maybe just a game out. Whether Cooper does it again, I'm not entirely sure. But I think, you know, just sort of taking a bit of pressure off him. I think, you know, yeah, we have to remember, like, Adam touched upon two years ago, he's playing in League One. He's only 21, 22. Like, you know, he's going to go through inconsistent, like, batches of form at this age. The only remarkable thing is it hasn't happened sooner, um, which is testament to how good Johnson is and how high a ceiling is. So... Yeah, I mean, we've got options. We could obviously play Lingard down the left and he might think he's justified for a start after his little cameo. Equally, he might play Tyro as a striker and have Dennis and Gibbs-White as the two sort of wingers around him and let them cut in. We have got options there. Um, but yeah, whether Cooper does it or not, it's another matter. But I don't know. I do think that some of the over-expectation for Johnson may have been a little bit over the top, given that you know, we are a new promoted side. He's very unlikely to hit the same heights he did last season and score 18 goals in the Premier League because if he did that, then he wouldn't be a forest that way. But um, we'll see what happens. Just, just one last thing as well, though, guys. With, with Johnson, I think we mentioned this in the chat, his, his lack of bravery is, is really telling. Like, he does not like taking a hit. And the thing is, if he took a hit like players like Jack Grealish, Ronaldo, 
Anthony who's coming at Man United, he'd win so many free kicks for us and just relieve that pressure for everyone. If he just holds on to the ball for that split second later, people are just going to whack him. And, and, I, and I get that. It, it is horrible to obviously take that hit. But you, you're going to get, you toughen up. You'll toughen up a lot quicker and he'll get used to it. And then, he'll, and then he can read it a bit better. Then he can start dropping in deep, picking the ball up and then getting, and then dropping the ball off and spinning. And his game will adapt and get better. I think if he just, if he almost takes the plunge of like, just I'm just going to let someone whack me and the referee will protect him all the time and he'll win, win so many free kicks for us and then he becomes another, a, a, even more dangerous player for us because people aren't going to get want to get touched tight to him because they know he's just going to win fouls for us all the time. And then I he gets that, the, then he makes... to, that is down to position though because he was, I think he was our most foul player last season. Yeah. We're just not getting in the ball so where he can be fouled because that's <laughs> really, he's, he, he's picking it up too deep. Like, he is, if, he is if just randomly it, flicking it. As no, well. if, you're, if you're thinking it from a fullback, are you going to make a foul deep in the forest half? No, you're not because there's no point. That's where Johnson's picking the ball up at the minute. If Johnson's mm-hmm. picking the ball up near the, like, even the halfway line or midway through the final third, then yes, of course, you're going to be more reckless if you're challenging, you're um, tackling, sorry. We're not getting the ball to him in those areas at the minute. So, I don't buy this, oh, you know, he's he's lacking bravery, etc. He's not taking hits. He's not in a position to take hits. So think, it's, you know, it's chicken and egg. I, I think what we've missed the last half a dozen games or so is, I touched on it earlier, when Williams first come in, he was driving forward and getting us up the pitch, which was what Jed Spence was brilliant at. That athleticism, getting us right up the pitch. And now... Um, you know, we're just not doing that. And that's why that right side has kind of just become a bit isolated because, you know, Williams, at the start, Williams took over from what Spence was doing, is driving forward the ball, getting up the pitch. Now he's just not doing that. And he's just, you know, and that's affected Johnson as well. Because you've got, you know, people saying about the Wales link up, they've obviously trained together, etc. Wales. And I think I was expecting the same, really. There's going to be seemed a bit of a friendship between them already. In the summer, you know, obviously going on social media, and there's just not that link up between them. And Jed and and Brennan together last season were brilliant, and we've missed that massively the last half a dozen games. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, that has been. I said last season that if our wing backs played well, typically we created lots of chances and we scored goals. I think this season that is absolutely killing us. I think the fact that there's no real rhythm out wide with the wing backs and the forwards I think is killing us a little bit um, I kind of agree with you both uh, Adam and Christian about the I get that Johnson is having to drop deeper so he's not going to be in a position to get the wax I suppose but he does need to be braver and he's got to show more I think I think um, particularly against Villa he, he worked hard defensively getting back that sort of stuff he's, his best stuff was probably defensively though which He's not on the pitch to do that. So it's a bit of a conundrum because Johnson, no one's going to know what answer him because, like we say, he was playing League One football two years ago. But he's got to show more. I think we've now got so many options on the bench that um, something's going to have to give sooner or later. And I think Cooper must be, especially having missed the penalty, it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, you know he did drop out on Tuesday night. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Free Softer Pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So give me a message on, it's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese, spelled R-E-I-S-S-N-F-F-C. Or I'm also on Facebook at RL Delivery Service. So if you do need anything moving, give me a message and I'd be more than happy to help. Right, so moving on. As as always, we asked you on Twitter to send in your Slept On It Thoughts. Um, someone came up with Slept On It Thoughts a while back and we've now coined it for the podcast. Um, hopefully my loyalties are in the post. Um, so Johnny Ancliffe said, one small step forward, the Villa game, two steps back. Really struggling for optimism now for the rest of the season. That's a fair point. Our very own Christian, Jed Spence to Nico Williams is a worse downgrade than Matthew Louis Jean to Nicky Eden. Again, at the moment, probably a fair point. Uh, Jeremy Zina, it's time to ditch the sentiment. If Yates wasn't one of our own, there's no way that we would have brought him over the summer. Both Ian Kiarte offer zero creativity. Persist with them and we're properly screwed. Um, Emma says some big decisions need to be made sooner rather than later, starting with dropping BJ. Um, you read. At Forest fan 302 say seeing McKenna and Cook still getting stick, but thought they played really well today against Villa. Yeah, it does seem we've um, got a bit of a period at the centre half. Um, I think one question I'm going to open to all of you that I think is really interesting is the Joe Worrell situation. Obviously, he was made club captain in the summer. After seven games, it would appear that we've seemingly washed our hands of him. Um, what I think I just find it a really bizarre situation. Um, I think Worrell is a player that could still improve. He's still got a bit of a ceiling uh, to hit. Um, Reese, what do you think? Do you see Worrell getting back in? What What do you think's happened there? It does seem a little bit odd because, like you just said, Lee, he is he is the captain, um, and for him to be have been dropped, and Steve Cook has come in and he was captain wanted for a couple of games. Why Ryan Yates wasn't in the side? Um, does seem a bit odd, I guess. But then again. You know, us and several lots of fans were saying, you know, Warrell wasn't good enough for the Premier League early doors. So there is, I guess, the performance, well, there's obviously the performance aspect as well. But I didn't think he'd probably be banished to the bench for this long with being the captain. So is there something more to it? You know, we can always, you know, think of that way, can't we, being football fans? But, you know, we obviously don't know unless you know Joe Worrell. Um, so I'm not really sure, to be honest. Um, you know, do I think he's better than Cook? I probably do, yeah, because I think Cook is, you know, typical head and kick defender, but he's Warrell can pass the ball better out, and that's what is hurting us as well at the minute. Is that Cook when he gets the ball just oofs it forward, and you know, it's going up to Dennis, who I think they had Kilman. Um, and you know, another guy at the back yesterday who was, who was a big guy. I'm not sure who it was. Totty. To Totty, right. I'm, I've never heard of, I've not heard of the blokes, no, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, um, and they're just nine times out of ten, they're just going to win the headers or just bully the likes of Johnson and Dennis off the ball. So I'm not sure. I, I'll let the other guys have their say on it, what's happened, to be honest. 
I think for me, I think Warrell is a good good ball playing defender. I do think Reese has hit the nail on the head really with with the terms of his performances weren't good enough. And at the moment, we're going through a bit of a time where we can't really we're not really affording to play that type of football from the back. We are just trying to be resolute and hard to beat at the moment, just to get us a foothold in the game. So I think there is a time for him to come back into the team. It's just a matter of maybe biding his time again. But how how long can we afford to wait? Because the, the points are, are are escaping us really at this moment in time. So, but if Christian wants to add anything, I'll let him do so now. Uh, most of the other two, I completely agree. He was there was. I don't think anyone could argue that Warren deserved to be dropped for his performances. I mean, Everton alone deserved to be dropped for that. That was probably the worst individual performance we've seen this season for a Forest player. But um, it's going to be difficult. And I think it's going to be difficult for Bada or however you pronounce his name, and Willie Bowley and even Biancone, as we've seen, because at the minute, while we are in batting down the hatches phase, you do need head it and kick it. And at the minute, Cook's done nothing wrong to be dropped. Same as McKenna. McKenna's been very good the last two games, might it be worth saying. Um, in fact, he's very much looked like the Forest player of the season last year, Scott McKenna. And you know, I thought he was brilliant yesterday, especially like the amount of times he had to mop up Toffolo's mess yesterday was a joke. Um, but he did it. He's, his forward passing was really good. Like, um, it wasn't quite like Cook's. Cook's, Reese is right. Cook was very much like, you know, safety first, up the pitch, out of play. <clears throat> but Mena was, um, you know, he was targeting his passes forward. And much like last season, where McKenna would break the lines with a good ball over the top through in, into um, someone to run onto. He was doing that yesterday and Dennis um, was a beneficiary of that a few times and it worked really well. So I don't know. I don't, I mean, the thing I found unfair personally about from the other side of the coin for Warrell was that I felt if Warrell was going to be dropped then Cook should have been as well because Cook was just as bad in that back three. However, he's persistent with Cook and Cook's now taking his chance. So it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you're right, on the, on the one hand, you know, Warrell's got the higher ceiling, Warrell's younger player, Worrell's certainly more valuable player, uh, given, you know, respective ages. But Cook isn't really doing anything to warrant being dropped at this moment in time. And I get these aren't popular choices for some of the fans. As one of the uh, people mentioned before with Yates, you know, two weeks ago, I'd have completely agreed with him. I'd have said, you know, fuck the sentimentality, Yates has to go. On the last two performances, I don't see how you can drop him because, you know, he's doing exactly what he's asked to do and he's doing it well. So it's a difficult one. I think at this moment in time, We've struggled for cohesion all season. We've struggled for something all season. We now have something with some sort of you know, connection with Cook and McKenna. I'd be a bit reluctant to sort of change that unless we absolutely had to, i.e. suspension or injury at this moment in time, especially while we're in a position where they're being fairly well protected. You know, he's had pace and strength in the last two games, Cook, in Watkins and Costa. And he's dealt with both. Costa had one chance to hit the post. I think, I think it was Costa Hanna. Even that, and that came from Toffolo not closing his man down. So I don't think they've done a lot to warrant being dropped at this moment in time. And I think Warrell's just got to grin and bear it at the minute until he takes the opportunity. You know, ultimately, this is not a Forest Football Club. We are a big club. We are Premier League sides. You know, getting a first team spot isn't going to be easy. I think as well, um, I think it was Kilman, by the way, with a header. Um, uh, I mean, Costa was blowing out his backside, wasn't he, I thought, um, because they was getting disgruntled about them not pressing. Costa did press and we were like passing it around him and it was like, yeah, blowing a bit. But something I may add as well, I think 
Cooper might look at it, you know, and get the surmise and hear that Cook's got ex- his experience. He's played in the Premier League. Kuyate, very similar, played in the Premier League. And then he's also looking at McKenna, who's obviously a natural left side defender, but has also played internationally. Probably that better quality and step up. And it's when the chips are down, he's probably thinking, look, I need just some experienced players in the spine of the side as well, who is going to get us, you know, just going to be solid and get you know, some results. Froiler probably falls into that category of the level. I know he's not played in the Prem, but at the level he's played at, you know, Serie A and played for Switzerland numerous times. So maybe there's something to that. But as fans, we don't know, do we? It's only, you know, Stephen, Joe know what's happened there, really. Yeah, I think it is an interesting one. I think, um, I, I just find it intriguing. I just think when someone's made captain, you expect that they're going to play more often than not. And obviously after seven games, he's he's kind of been banished and he's not even getting on for the last 15, 20 minutes to kind of prove himself. Um, obviously, we'll move on from the Wolves. Uh, let's call it a debacle. Uh, every game's a bit of a debacle at the moment, let's face it. Uh, on to Brighton. Uh, Brighton do have a new manager. Uh, it's fair to say they've not had much of a bounce. Two defeats and a draw. The draw did come at Liverpool when they drew 3-3 with... Uh, Liverpool Anfield um, Reese, how do you I mean how do we set up I mean people are crying out for different shapes I mean there's so many managers on Twitter anyway isn't there but um, yeah, Cooper's, four, tried, yeah. A, yeah, Cooper's <laughs> tried a couple of different um, systems do you do you actually see him reverting back to three centre-halves at any point um, and going with a, a bit more of a fluid approach that kind of served as well last season or do you think he will kind of be safe again and, and hope to shut up shop at Brighton? I think, you, you know, Brighton do like a lot of the ball, don't they? So it probably will be trying to catch them on the counter-attack. Um, I did watch Brighton against Spurs um, and it was typical Italian-style defending, very similar um, to what it was against us from Tottenham. They just, you know, Brighton were playing lovely tippy-tappy football but not really getting anywhere and you know, Tottenham had a striker in Harry Kane, again, similar against the same against us who put it in the back of the net. So it, it probably just is about, you know, defending pretty deep, which is the last couple of games we've been in a good shape and then trying to hit them on the counter-attack, which is something we've not done well so far. So it's going to be a tough game. I didn't watch them the other night against Brentford. I know it was on Friday night, but I was out for a curry, so I didn't watch that game. But... um I think that's going to be the way to go. We we all know that Brighton love the possession and there are stats dream, aren't they, Brighton? But not got a lot of substance up top. So not on this show, Reese. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think that'll probably be how we're going to go about it. And that's probably why I'd probably say Brennan's probably going to stay in because when you know when he's on it, he can get us up the pitch, can't he? Let's be honest, it's just not happening for him at the minute. You know, and it probably might see Dennis and Gibbs White start again. I'd, I'm not too sure, but it's going to be a tough game. Brighton are a good side. Um, I know the new guys, obviously, back-to-back defeats, but there's no disgrace losing to Tottenham. Brentford are pretty solid at home, aren't they? So, you know, it's going to be a tough game. And if we can get any points from, <laughs> to be honest, you look at the next three, I mean, where do you see the points coming from them? It's going to be vastly tough and... Like I think I said this on the last podcast, it's an up, up, up curve of difficulty. We start with Wolves, now we're going on to Brighton, then to Liverpool, and then Arsenal, who, to be fair, by the time we play them, could still be top of the league. So, yeah, tough three games ahead. 
for us. Yeah, I think um, what what I think is interesting about the Brighton game is we don't we don't have this situation very often in the Premier League where you play Saturday and then you've got a quick turnaround to yeah, play again on Tuesday. Which I which I do um, enjoy. Just on that basis, Christian, would you? I'm looking at the midfield. Obviously, the midfield at the moment is being tasked with working incredibly hard, putting in a shift. Do you expect uh, personnel changes in the middle of the park on Tuesday? I think that we might see Mangala. Um, I think he might start instead of maybe Kuyate or maybe O'Brien starts instead of Kuyate. I would still expect Freuder and Yates to be two of the three, though. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the most logical decision just because, you know, obviously Kuyate is 32. Is he going to be playing three games a week? Probably not. Um, I think we all want to see a bit more of Mangara as well. And I think that um, I personally see the Brighton game going very similar to the Wolves game, if I'm being honest. Um, I think you know, they're going to have a lot of the ball. They're going to you know, causes problems in possession. <clears throat> so, excuse me. But I think their downfall will be in front of goal. I mean, I think I've seen that Welbeck's yet to score this season. Solly March has had 50-odd shots without scoring. It's the longest run in the Premier League. I think the last goal came in November 2020, or 21, sorry. So, obviously, um, you know... Get, that... get your money on him for a hat-trick. Yeah, exactly. Um, Charity FC back at it again. I mean, we gave Wolves their first second-half goal of the season yesterday, so why not? Um, I think... But, you know, Brighton do have their issues in front of goal. That's, that's no secret. It's always been the case. It was the same with Potter. Um, they seem to have found the fix for that um, this season with Potter. Then, obviously, he left. I do think, you know, it, I think it'll be very much like Reese said, set off the counter-attack. Let Brighton have the ball in the spring when we can. So, yeah, I think we might need someone like Mangala in the middle to help with that. But, um, yeah, I, I, it's going to be an interesting game because it, it, it'd be, it could be one of those where we maybe give away a few more chances. But, you know, they could be falling to the wrong people sort of thing, at least hopefully anyway. So we'll have to see how it pans out. Yeah, Adam, I think just finally kind of looking looking ahead to Brighton, um, the situation with the strikers, obviously we've not really got anyone that's kind of putting their hand up and, and scoring regularly. Um, do you think Brighton would be the ideal opportunity to give two strikers a chance, maybe Awani and Dennis together? Um I mean, how how do we how do we stop the rot when it comes to scoring goals? We've we've clearly got to start scoring more goals, haven't we? Absolutely, because obviously that's how you win football matches. At the end of the day, it's not rocket science. I think it's a difficult one. I think with with Brighton, they do like to have the ball, and they don't really have a typical in between the post sort of striker. Welbeck likes running the channels. Pascal Gross kind of just floats around as well as like Trossard, McAllister and that sort of thing. They like late, they, I think Brighton quite like their late runners. So it does set up perfectly for us to be on the counter and, and hit them because they, they're going to have a lot of late midfield runners and that kind of thing. And I think if we don't, if we deny them space in behind sort of thing, then that, that works for us because they're going to be, passing it left to right, trying to get us to move out of out of our shape. And hopefully that's when we pounce someone like Mangala or if Lewis O'Brien's fit for, for Tuesday because he was ill, Cooper said, then then that's the perfect opportunity. But I think with midfield, we need someone that can carry the ball to then feed it to strikers. Do I go with a two is a difficult one because, I mean, I wouldn't be against it and try literally a two two together next to each other, Awani and, and Dennis just, like a little and large kind of combination, a bit old school, Crouch and Defoe, if you want to call it that, or or however it used to be. And 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 why not? Why not try it? Maybe we do go with like a flat back, uh, flat five across midfield if we did go back to the three. 
and you play so we, we don't get outnumbered in midfield because that has been working for us in terms of protection, like like Christian and Christian has um, mentioned already with Froyle, Yates and, and Kiate, but maybe go with someone that's a bit more energetic going forward than Kiate and that would potentially help us get up the pitch that 10, 15 yards up, which I think will help us a lot getting up the field but the problem is is then the other way where we can get caught out so easily because we're not we're not quick on the turnover defensively are we unless Lottie comes back in and already recovers for Tuesday from his injury so it's a difficult one for Cooper but nothing else is cracking so why not just you may as well try it we've got nothing to lose now we kind of can afford to throw the kitchen sink a little bit I think Absolutely. I, I just wonder if he might use the Brighton game as a bit of an opportunity to, obviously it's another chance to put some points on the board, but I just wonder if he might throw some of the players in that we've perhaps not seen quite so much. But I guess um, that's for Cooper to, to make the decision. Now, on this podcast, we, we typically like to ask each other a little question. Uh, I've come up with one now. I've played with, uh, we've played 10 games this season. Uh, so I'm going to ask you all, if we could have, obviously hindsight's a wonderful thing, but if you could have done one thing differently in the summer, um, whether it's a transfer, an off-field decision, that sort of thing, uh, what would it be? So we'll start with you, Reese. <laughs> I know what Christians is going to be. <laughs> um, if we could have done, I don't, you know, people's going back to the former players, aren't they? And it's been it's Grand Dog Day, as you know, someone put on um, Twitter of you know, I'd have loved Jeb Spence back, but he didn't want to come. Keenan Davis. I would have took him back, but not for 15 million. That was ridiculously overpriced. And that, with respect, is wise in the championship now. Um, you know, Zing would have been a decent squad player, but, you know, um, you know, Max Lowe is injury prone. But I would have loved to have seen Garner back. I'd probably go that for mine. I know by the time he was made available, we'd probably moved on, haven't we? We'd signed quite a few centre mids, but I would have loved Forrest still for gone for Garner. I think he would get in our team now without hesitation. And I think we, I think we do miss him. Froiler has kind of took on his role a little bit the last two games in which he's dropped, especially yesterday, he was dropping into like make it a back three at times just to try and get us up the pitch. And because we are, with respect to, you know, Yates and Cuyate, this is not anything against them. That isn't their game. They're not going to drive us out from the back up the pitch and pass us up the pitch, you know, which is nice to see Froiler doing. But... I think we've missed Garner personally, um, and I, w- I would have loved to see us get him back because, as well, the the potential. You know, what is he? Twenty one, twenty two. You know, his, his ceiling's still going to be high, and um, but it's like you say, Lee. It's a tough one. It's all in hindsight, and it's all because we're bottom of the league. You know, if he was halfway up the league, would no one would be crying over former players now? It's just. But that's just football, and that's the way it goes. Christian? Uh, Reese is probably right, not sign Neko Williams. Um, um, no, in all seriousness, I think, um, well, that obviously would be a strong contender. I think what I'd like to do, if we could change it, I would like someone to just sat down, like uh, Evangelo. Like, you, we saw the way that apparently, you know, uh, Steve Cooper says, you know, if, as a Sale goes. You know, he made it very clear. Gibbs White was the number one target. Maranakis came in and got his sales. As we know, we heard he was flying over to sort it. Uh, in hindsight, quite would have liked him to have done that with Villa and said 15 million for Davis is a fucking joke. Sort it out. We'll give you seven. And then they might have gone, 
yeah, all right, fine. We're being a bit cheeky. We'll take that. And I think it's because I know it's, I know obviously like, you know, his injury record isn't great. I know his goal scoring isn't great, but it's just the way we don't have anyone, especially the way we're playing at the minute. No one we have in our team would hold the ball up like Davis could. No one in tight spaces. I don't see why he's doing it. He's two arms and legs or Dennis, you know, he's not strong enough. Davis could hold off a player or two and just like wiggle around them and then lay it off and help us get off the pitch that way. Because, like, for example, yesterday he would have been perfect because it was very clear Toffolo and Williams like, couldn't pass fucking water up the line. So we had to go direct anyway. Davis would have held the ball up, let, waited for Gibbs, White and Johnson to come up into positions and fed it off. We didn't even have anyone who could do that. Dennis was waiting for Tossi to make a mistake because he was making quite a few of them, to be fair. He was misreading the ball all the time. And um, yeah, there were a few times where Dennis actually took it like, back facing the opposition goal and took it down running forwards because Tossi had missed the header. And I think that, um, you know, having Keenan yesterday would have been a big different, big help. And I, I think, you know, I agree with Reese. 15 million is fucking insanity. And Villa will not get that money. Even if Watford get promoted and Davis scores 15 goals, they will get 5 million max. So if we, I think if that would be my thing, if someone could have sat down, like, um, is it Christian Persler, I think, over at Villa, the CEO? Mm. Like Gerard's best mate, hence why he's still a job there. And... Um, said to them, look, don't be stupid. We'll give you this. You know he's worth this. He's not even playing for you in pre-season. We'll deal with that. And yeah, he's off your hands, whatever. You make a slight improvement on what you asked for. Okay, it's not the full 15, but everyone's a winner here. And instead, you know, the players missed out, the club's missed out, and we've missed out. So that would be one thing I would like to change from the summer. Uh, I would make the point, though, that I think, um, you know, a lot's been made of us signing 22 players. I was thinking this without being too pessimistic. You know, just, I mean, like, you know, speaking to Reese after the games are walking out, like you, know, you don't want to be too negative, but we prefer to resign to what's coming. And um, we are in a position where we don't need to buy anyone at all next summer because we have Bowler coming back, we'll have Fauna coming back, we'll have Panzo coming back, and Wang Wee Joe, he'll be back. Yeah, that guy as well. Yeah, uh, we'll have um, Horvath potentially coming back. Christian we'll Aguilera's have... son. Yeah, Brandon Aguilera coming back. <laughs> um, so you know, you're looking from from that perspective. Um, they'll fill in the gaps of players that we're leaving that we're likely to get rid of. Like, if you think if we go down, we'll lose, like, you know, we'll lose Lingard, we'll lose Dennis, we'll lose probably Freuler, um, we'll lose Henderson, obviously. But these players will immediately come in. So, if we can get 10, 12 to 15 players now that can get into some sort of cohesion or shape and gel, then come pre season when they're already adapted to it and with the returning players, we should be in the position to go up top two. Should, obviously. Are, is... are we literally admitting that we're going down then? No, not no, yet. I, I, not just yet. Although I did, I did see something which was quite funny actually. It was um, from Declan Pierce this morning. He said, like, uh, you're on to phase four of the promotion depression, which is I um, saw that. resigned to relegation. Wait till you get yeah. to phase eight when there's a slim chance of survival. You're torn between accepting the warm embrace of championship versus clinging on to Satan because you like the Premier League badge on your shirt. And um, which is very accurate. But no, I, I'm just thinking that, you know, I'm not, <clears throat> some, for example, Adam might say it now or you might say it later. I wish we didn't sign so many players, but I do think that you know, it will actually help us moving forward and we needed to do it. Unfortunately, we were probably a bit naive to think that you know, we could just throw these players together and they'd be okay. I think even with Williams, to be honest, well, maybe not so much, but if you, um, <laughs> if you put all those players individually in the other 19 Premier League teams that are settled, they'd probably do very well. But because we just launched them all together in one go and hope to try and find a solution, nothing, some bits are still some bits aren't some players are coming out of form some aren't like you know it's not really like a cohesion style which 
you know, it's a bit unfortunate. But hopefully, you know, if we can either stay up or go down, we are in a good position moving forward next year at least. It's just hard to think of that at the minute when we're losing every fucking week. But... You're, bre- you're breaking the stereotype, Christian, because I should be the one who hates Williams on this pod because he's Welsh <laughs> and from Liverpool. So <coughs> I just hate him. <laughs> you, you watch him and Johnson be absolutely unreal against England in the World Cup. Yeah, I guarantee it's... No, there, there, there was a point where Williams got the ball. I went, don't cross it, because we've not even got a strike, and he launched it, and then went straight out of play. And I went, for fuck's sake, and just walked out of the room. But if, if, you're, if you want to come on to me, Lee, I mean, for, for me, I think I do agree with you there, Christian, in terms of maybe it's the short-term suffering for the long-term gain, in, in all honesty. But that might, that might be something that is hard to kind of accept, but it might be something that is beneficial to us in the long in in the long term of actually being a sustainable Premier League side in the future. But that's hard to see. For me, I'm gonna go back to Reese's thing about Garner. For me, I'd go to my I'd have gone to Man United and gone, here's 15 million quid for him. You have a look at him in pre-season. We want first refusal. And I would have done that straight away because he would have come. And I, I, I sort of watched him against Everton yesterday. He didn't do a lot, but he the one thing he did brilliantly was put in a really dangerous cross. And we've got no one that will do that from open play at the moment and set piece wise. I mean, I don't think none of you touched it on um I think you lot thought it was quite a good ball from Kips White for the for the free kick against Villa. I thought Dennis did really well to actually make it look like a good free kick and and Ming's lost lost him sort of thing. So here here or there for that for that kind of comment. But yeah, for, for, I think I probably have to say, agree with Christian in terms of like maybe too many players, but could help us in the long term. That that'd be my thing in the summer. But also like just a bit more communication from the board in terms of what do they want out of this season? Because it did look like we was trying to be too ambitious. We, we look like we're trying to run before we can even walk in the league and and trying to aim for Europe first season, which seems absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think I'm going to uh, back you up with the Garner. I think that would be the um, the thing that I would have done differently. I, I think the ship had sailed by the time he, he became available for us. But he is the one player. I think even more so than Spence, he's the one player that we just he worked so hard out of possession. Um, and then when obviously he did get on the ball, he was capable of creating something out of nothing. So I think that's the the one thing that I would I would have just waited. I'd have left a gap in the squad. I think. Given our recruitment approach, we would have find, found an alternative if if it got to the point where Garner wasn't available. Um, I just yeah, think I mean, adding, you literally could have waited and then start, yeah. sign Kuyate after if we couldn't have got Garner. Yeah, that's so. it. And I just think uh, that is it. I'd have loved Davis back. I'd have loved Spence back. Spence didn't want to come. Davis was never worth fifteen million. I did watch Davis last night for Watford and thought, Do you know what? I wish we still had that um, option in our attack, but. It's one of those things. We were never going to pay 15 million for him. Um, when you think we got Dennis for, for what, 2025, 20, and he scored 10 goals in the Premier League. I think Davis's Premier League record is something like one goal in 50 odd appearances or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think I would go with the Garner um, situation, but obviously it is what it is. Um, Reese always said he, he was going to be the hardest player to replace, and, I, and, I, and it's obviously come to, to, to yeah, truth. And it's, I said it last <laughs> season. Quite, um, Sorry, it's quite ironic that we bought all these defenders for the three at the back, and now we've gone to three in midfield. And we probably could do with Garner and being around. <laughs> yeah, that's how, how typical Forest is that. Like, 
said it last season, people, I know people disagree with this, but since the turn of the millennium, he's the best centre mid I've seen at Forest. Yeah, but, you know, you, you've had four probably successful teams, I guess, in terms of like getting to the playoffs or near the playoffs in that time. And I just, there isn't any other centre mid where I think he's not on Garner's level, personally. And we've had some good sentiment in that time as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think if you were doing a, a team of, the, you know, every 10 years you get the team of the last decade, I think Garner will certainly be in that uh, when that comes around again. Um, as always, we'll move on now to predictions. Um, we've tried to be quite optimistic on this podcast. So let's see if uh, Christian and Reese. obviously you were at Wolves yesterday. Reese, we'll start with you. How do you see us going on against Brighton? I think it depends on what Brighton turn up, to be honest. Um, like I said earlier, Bright, Brighton play this lovely tippy-tappy football, which, like I said, is lovely for the stats, man, but there's not there's not really that punch at the end of it. Um, they've struggled, haven't they, for numerous seasons, I think, now of having that striker. Because if I think if they did have that proper quality striker, they'd, they'd probably be challenging for that seventh spot. I mean, they are now. So, you know, it's going to be... A tough one. Um, it's one of them. I mean, if Brighton play to their capabilities, that I'm, I don't want to be sound harsh, but they'll beat Forest pretty comfortably, I think. Um, but I just want to stay optimistic. So I'm making the trip as well. You know, I'm one of these, I'd say, idiots who are <laughs> making a trip, um, which thankfully I can integrate it with my work life, but. I just don't know. Um, I'm going to be optimistic and say we'll get we'll get a point, and I'll go for go for a nil nil. Christian, you're going down as well. Obviously, as we know, in certain parts, you you're not a proper fan unless you're going to Brighton away on Tuesday night. So, uh, how do you see us going on? Uh, it's more I'm going like I'm more going west and down to be fair. It's more of a home game true, for me. Very true. Um, if anything, Wolves was a trek for me. If I can like four hour opposite like eight hour return trip for Wolves, that's horrible. Um, okay, stop milking it. You're a good fan. We get it. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I went past the Walsall Stadium with the M6. That makes me a proper fan, doesn't it? So absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, I think head speak. Oh, sorry, head speaking. Charity FC Reds will return again. Zerbi gets his first win at Forest as Brighton manager, and he gets off the mark. Heart speaking, I think we can frustrate them. I think we can get a point. I think that it'll be like the Wolves game. I think that they might have a lot of possession areas. We want them to have possession. But I think they are very definitely there to be got at. I think since right, I watched Brighton against Brentford and um, they had a lot of the ball, but I was very much not impressed. They had the chance from a set piece, which to be fair, they kept out. And um, Welbeck, <laughs> well, um, had a free header on the edge of the box. Oh, sorry, it's a six yard box. And just, I don't know what he did with it. He did what did well a things and just like, flicked it off his head and went miles wide when he should have was easier to score. So, um, you know, like we said, they had, again, give them a striker in that team and they would have flourished. But obviously, I think one of the elements that made that team as good as it was, was Potter. Potter is now gone. And you know, we're seeing his immediate like, class as manager with Chelsea. So I think they are there to be got out. I think we can get them on the counter. They switched to back four instead of the usual three at the back and it's causing them issues. Um, I've seen quite a lot of their fans complaining about that on Twitter as well. They just don't, they, their fans don't seem to think they're very much equipped for that. They're better with the three at the back. But also, they like to play out from the back a lot. It's a staple of the Zerbi's plays. I think that if we can maybe get a more aggressive press in the front three, we might be able to cause a few issues there. 
and maybe catch the ball in areas, you know, high up the pitch and then make something happen. No head speaking, 2 0 loss. Heart speaking, 0 0 draw. Go back with something. Adam, can you it's be got, any more it's, positive? It's got, it's got to the point where we just don't think we're ever going to score a goal ever again. And that's just really, really depressing, isn't it? I think I do agree with Christian in terms of we can get them on the counter. I don't I, I don't know if any of you can really correct me on this, but they've not really got anyone that pacey apart from Welbeck up front. And he's just like a headless chicken a lot of the time, though he does work exceptionally hard and, and can come up with something every now and then. So we probably will do that on Tuesday. No, no one knows. So I think there is an opportunity to actually get on the counter and get in behind Brighton. It's just like like Christian says, let's be more aggressive on that press and, and get at them. So I'm going to be more optimistic and say we will score. Um, my my head says we'll lose 2-0 as well, but I'm going to, my heart, I'm going to rule with it and I'm going to go, we're going to have a shock 2-1 win. <laughs> Shoot me now. Blimey, two goals in one game. Um I'm I'm not going to be optimistic at all. I think we'll lose. Um, I I mean the Brighton I've seen this season were managed by Graham Potter. Um, yeah, they have got some problems, but I just don't see us scoring. I just think um, it's a bit of a mess at the moment. It's, there's not a lot to shout about, is it? I'm going to go for a two 0 defeat. I'd love to think we could frustrate them, but I still think they'll they'll nick one. Um, and as we know, if if we concede one to an half decent side, then Typically, a second follows. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a 2 0 defeat. Um, but we shall see. Um, as always, thanks for listening. Um, and let's hope that we have got some positivity next time and we can discuss a win for a change. Come on, you Reds. Just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast. This is something that we all share. And it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well is that a lot of people, especially Forest fans, as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter. Um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling, um, by all means, message the pod and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter. You know, use the forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in confidence, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.